1: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons.
0: All right, great to have you back here on the GM Shuffle. Now, as you all know, Mike and I are apolitical when it comes to this podcast. We're we're never going to dive into Trump versus Biden and all that kind of stuff. But I only want to start with this, Mike. This has been one of the craziest weeks ever in American history. You're an avid reader. You're a guy who appreciates history. We're going to look back and go, hey, remember this week? It was the wildest week ever. And I just want to point this out. John King on CNN. The work he has done this week with that touchscreen—that guy's in my Mount Rushmore broadcasters. He is giving me so much information. He knows every county and every state. He's doing it so smoothly. Like I'm a Canadian, okay. I'm learning so much here about U.S. geography and politics. I think John King is my MVP this week.
2: You know, I, I mean, it—it's it, truly amazing how they all know this and they kind of play it back and forth. And you're watching it, you know, and you—you know—and they're kind of got this county here and. You know, we got this history lesson going on that this state's always typically blue, but this state's red. And, that, you know, yada, yada, yada. But I mean, at some point, I, I wonder, and this is not a political statement. I just wonder how we can put a man on the fucking moon, right? And we're still counting ballots one by one. Like, how is that even possible? We have a smartphone that can tell you when it's time to go take a pee. We, we have, we have, we have reminders, you know, we have Siri to tell us whenever it is, you know, we can bring Frank Sinatra back on my phone in the main event. I mean, we can do these remarkable things, and yet we still need Uncle Sam, the, the postage stamp, and people actually counting. Like, how does that add up?
0: Yeah, it's a question that boggles the mind. Listen, in Brazil, apparently, they use an electronic urn system. And, like, literally, you get the results within a couple hours. Like, <laughs> everybody, they give you the day off. Everybody votes by 8 p.m. Eastern. Okay, we have a new president. Here, we're still going. We're taping this on a Thursday afternoon. It's now been two days, and there's no end in sight. Nevada, get counting. All right. All right. Uh, trade deadline, though. Speaking of voting and making your vote count, Green Bay Packers are not voting to make any moves when it comes to their wide receiver core. And this is a familiar refrain here for Aaron Rodgers and company. We talked about this with the draft. Why don't they get a wide receiver? They chose not to. Instead, trade deadline comes and goes. Rumored to be interested in Will Fuller of the Texans. Ultimately, they balked at the price. Mike, you wrote about this in The Athletic, In the fact they didn't trade for Fuller. Imagine if they'd taken Clemson receiver T. Higgins in the first run instead of uh, Jordan Love, their backup quarterback. Higgins has got 33 catches three touchdowns, 14.8 yards per catch average, exactly what the Packers needed. This isn't just a problem from this past week. This goes back to the draft. The Packers not making the right moves to help out Aaron Rodgers, right?
2: Right, and I defended him on draft day as we did. We talked about it. You know, and I was concerned about Rodgers throwing the ball down the field. He didn't look the same. The 214 Rodgers, you know, that was throwing to a bunch of different characters, but was really great. And so I I gave him the benefit of the doubt. But Rodgers has come out of this and he's been like, "Whoa." I mean, you know, up until 3 2 weeks ago, he was an MVP candidate, and certainly we were all talking about that. So the, the moral, really, of the story, A.D., is simply this. If you don't really evaluate your own team correctly and, – and this is one of the big issues I have with, with the NFL today, the, the great Jed Hughes and, and his uh, ability to pick GMs and all that. They, they, they want to hire a guy who's a director of college scouting, and I don't begrudge anybody who's a director of college scouting. The problem I have is they don't understand the NFL – they're on the road scouting. The true job of a general manager is to understand his team and to correctly evaluate his team. And so when Brian Gutekus turns in the card and thinks Jordan Love's going to actually play in the next five years, he's really saying, I think Rodgers is somewhat on the decline. I needed to make sure I'm safe. He's not saying that his quarterback, you know, he needs other weapons. Imagine if he took T. Higgins. I mean, you know, it's simply that and if you don't correctly evaluate your team, you can look at all the mistakes we've all made in the careers is misevaluating your decision as it relates to your own team.
0: And that's why I think the Packers, people say, okay, you know, how, how tight is this window right now? Because, like you said, started out really good. Now you see some issues. And as you wrote in your column, anytime the Packers play a good run team, the burden of winning will fall onto Rodgers and the offense, thus highlighting the importance of improving the skill positions even further. The Packers may win the division, but I don't think anyone actually thinks this is a Super Bowl team.
2: Oh, no. I mean, big daddy Vince Lombardi, you know, he's like he keeps telling me all the time. What good is it? What good is it? We're going to lose in the first round. I mean, we're no good, you know, and, and like tonight they play San Francisco. We're taping this at four o'clock on the East Coast Thursday afternoon. They play San Francisco in the last three times they have played San Francisco. The one time they played them, I think C.J. Beathard was the starter. They've rushed for six point oh seven yards. Petten's been the coordinator all three years there. I mean, they've dominated Petten in the game now it may be different tonight because of all the players with covid and injury and all that but he's right i mean they did nothing in the offseason to help their team they 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 lose belaga they signed you know they lose martinez they they lose frackle to the you know and they signed kirksey so they added a few guys but the reality of it is is they didn't give rodgers any help aj Dillon's not any help they were already good at running back so like where are they getting like what are they doing again like it's about putting the right team together Put the right team together that fits the pieces. And, you know, when you let T. Higgins go or or whatever receiver, you know, now they had a chance at Higgins. I mean, they didn't have a chance for Jefferson or some of these other guys. They did. And it would have made a huge difference, especially on the window on Rodgers. So that, that was the point of my column. The other point of my column was, look, you can bitch about the Packers all you want. Their run defense for the last 25 games has been horseshit. It's been horrible. They, they they can't defend any run. They give up 5-1 going to the right, 4-7 going to the left. They give up 4-8 on first down. I mean, when you're giving up that many yards, it's not, about, it's not about how good your talent is. It's about your run fits. It's about your run force. And it's about how you coach the technique of your defense.
0: See what happens against the 49ers tonight. Other trade news, winners and losers. The trade deadline ended on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, listen, the Ravens, they jumped the gun. They already got pass rusher Yannick Ngakwe from the Vikings. Uh, Avery Williamson, linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Seattle Seahawks do get Carlos Dunlop. Not a perfect solution to their pass-rushing woes, but no one's going to get a guy like Khalil Mack. So you get Dunlap. Hopefully that improves things. And then Dwayne Haskins, quarterback of Washington football team. The fact that nobody traded for him. You know, he needs to be in a situation where he can thrive. Clearly Washington, he's not going to be the guy there. Ron Rivera's already seen enough. Your thoughts on any of those, Mike, Ravens, Seahawks, or Haskins?
2: You know, I think the Ravens one and Dockway will certainly help. He looked like he was putting some pressure on Big Ben. You know, I think he'll help their team as they go, especially this week against Indianapolis, where I think he could have a huge impact, especially when they play a quarterback like Rivers who doesn't move around. Avery Williamson's going to help them. I mean, Spillane came in and played well, had the interception for the touchdown as the inside backer, but it gives the Steelers another three-down linebacker that I think can help them. Haskins, to me, is – it really It goes back to, did you like Haskins coming out? And what, what Haskins are, – are you going to get a kid who's going to work hard? Are you going to get a kid who's going to do the things you want him to do? Those are the issues with Haskins. And again, you know, not a great anticipator of being able to make the throws, you know. So I, I think they're going to have a hard time recouping some of the value. But it didn't surprise me, AD, why we saw very – I mean, I know ESPN had their full crew up there ready to analyze all the trades. I mean, like, everybody knew there wasn't going to be a lot of them because nobody wants to take on salary. And, and this is no one's fault, so we get this clear. Like, this is COVID-related, like you can say the eagles are screwed up next year on their cap and you know and I bitch about Atlanta but in fairness to those two teams and the saints for another team no one predicted that this cap was going to go down Everybody was thinking life was good. We're going to get a new TV deal. The cap's going to keep going up. You know, we'll keep doing what we've been doing. That's the reality of it all, you know, and now, you know, that's why Belichick's getting so much shit from people saying, well, you know, we've we sold out. Well, the reason it's, it's a problem today is because of where we are with the cap going into next year. It's a real issue.
0: Like Tony Soprano said, everyone gets a haircut. This is the business where it is right now in the NFL, and you're right. All these, the cap's going down. That's the reality of the situation. You look for cap flexibility. Plus, you acquire a player right now. You've got the COVID protocol to deal with. You're not going to get the player right away automatically. So there was lots of different uh, issues here affecting the trade deadline. Let's segue to coaching jobs because next season as we said well one
2: before we go there let can we just before we get there ad can we at least have a soprano moment here at the beginning of season four or whatever it was when he went back there and and asked those guys why there's no why there's no growth on the family receipts you know and then i love that when he goes to sill and he says sill what's recession proof uh some elements of the entertainment and this thing of ours you know, time and memorial, it goes on. One of the great lines, of time and memorial. I never even heard that until I heard it on The Sopranos. Like I've never heard, I'm waiting for pa- like patience on a monument before. Had you ever heard that line before?
0: No, that's such a good line. You, I agree that you, you almost expect that, Oh, it was written by you know Norman Vincent Peale, or it's in like a John Updike book. Like, no, no, that's actually the creation of Sopranos TV writers. That's how good it is.
2: Unbel- I'm waiting I'm, I'm, I'm over here for like patience on a monument waiting for discipline to be handed out you know <laughs> anyway I had to get that in there it's oh, time please, of memorial and still and Sill's acting in that is this thing of ours and 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 some parts of the entertainment business
0: <laughs> but so nothing's funny, COVID like, yeah.
2: proof I could tell you that AD nothing's oh, COVID exactly. proof
0: nothing's COVID proof that's the biz recession proof this thing of ours and some elements of the entertainment industry uh, best and worst coaching jobs for next season. So this is always a little bit gruesome. I mean, normally we get to, to Black Monday, which is the end of the season. But, but listen, we're at the halfway point of the season right now. We already kind of have an idea who's going where, what's going to happen in the vacancy. Let's go through each one, Mike. The Jets. We all know Adam Gase is not going to be there. 0-8. Is this a fun job? Are you going to come right. to the Meadowlands, take over Sam Darnold? Maybe you get the number one pick? I think it's a pretty attractive job. No.
2: You know, it's New York, New York, baby, right? You know, so you got that going for you. You got a team that's not very good. But if you get Trevor Lawrence, I think a lot of this is, is I think there's two jobs. I think there's the Trevor Lawrence job. And then I think there's the, then I think there's the charger job. And so like, let's just say you're Eric B enemy. Let's take him for example. And you think you have a chance at the Atlanta job, which we know will open, which is open the Jacksonville job, which we know will open the uh the houston job which we know will open and the jet job those four like don't you want the charger job like don't you look at that team i i mean don't you want to take over with justin herbert a proven commodity joey bosa under contract you know uh uh, melvin ingram under contract a good defense you know sure they need some things but with that quarterback isn't that the best job next year I mean, isn't that better than taking the Jet job and having to rebuild that? Isn't that better than the Jacksonville job than having to deal with, if you don't get Trevor Lawrence, than having to deal with that owner and the owner's son and all the problems that come with it?
0: Yeah, the best jobs I'm going to say are Jets or Giants. I mean, Jets specifically, if you can get Trevor Lawrence, Giants right now are one and seven. Joe Judge clearly has not turned things around. And then, like you said, but he's not going to
2: get fired. I mean, they're not they're not going to fire Joe Judge. They're not going to fire Judge, and they're not going to fire McCarthy. I mean, I don't think Jerry's going to fire McCarthy after a year. I think those two, I can't imagine they're you know. I don't think Joe's team's playing competitive. They're just not any good. I mean, since since they took that three hour cruise with Ginger, Marianne, and all that, you know, I think they're what (laughs) they're they're. uh, you know, on that boat trip. I mean, you know, they're 13 and 44. So I I just don't see them making it. I mean, Joe wasn't the skipper on that boat trip. Since that boat trip, it's been a disaster.
0: Yeah, and the Cowboys, Jerry's not going to want to admit he made such a blunder. I mean, he's gave this guy a nice big contract. They're two and six right now. I'm with you. McCarthy's not going to be a one and done, although I think Mike Nolan is definitely going to be out of a job, the defensive coordinator. So let's parse through the rest of these then. We mentioned the Chargers. The Texans' current head coach is Romeo Cornell, interim. They're one and six. Uh, Jacksonville, you mentioned Doug Marone, he's gone. They're one and six. Now you got a few other teams here. The Falcons are two and six. Raheem Morris interim, and the Detroit Lions with Matt Patricia at three and four. I don't think Patricia's gone, but that's not all the realm of the conversation that he could be. I mean, he's certainly in trouble.
2: You're Right, but if you're if you're a guy like Eric Bieniemy and you and you're weighing your options and you're Eric Bieniemy's agent, you know you're. So the fans know. There, there's a, there's a lot of backroom conversations going on, with, especially with some of these teams uh, that are, we're talking to the coaching agents. Whether it's Jimmy Sexton at CAA, whether it's Trace Armstrong, I mean, there's a lot of, of backdoor stuff that's been happening. I mean, and when you look at the Houston Texans, you don't have any draft picks, but at least you have Deshaun Watson, who's a really good quarterback. And then you don't know who your general manager is. You have got a guy who's really done a nice job. And when, he, when we were with them together in New England, Jack Easterby he did a really good job of team unity, team doing all those. You know, they've made him the interim general manager. They say they're going to hire a football guy to go with him. Okay, what's that look like? You know, the Chargers. Look, I mean, Anthony Lynn just can't win close games. I mean, it's just it's really just a problem. I mean, you can't manufacture confidence you just can't. Either the players have confidence in you or they don't. And and here's where I think you you just basically you just don't under, you just lose the confidence in your team the more this goes on and and every time you try to gain it back it goes. And here's the perfect example. The Chargers are 0 and 3 when they're having a 17-point lead this season. The rest of the NFL, the rest of the NFL is 52 and 4. Think about that, AD. I- The rest of the NFL is 52-4. and So the problem you have is I don't want Anthony. I'm not trying to get Anthony Lynn fired. I'm not trying to be, you know, trying to spread. But at some point, if you're the Spanos family, you're sitting there saying we have to get some confidence in our team. And the more we do this, there's no confidence. But I think that's a really good job. I think that's a job that, you know, is probably better than waiting on the Trevor Lawrence job.
0: And Eric enemy, for those unaware, is the OC right now with the Chiefs. He's been highly touted for a while. So you're right. He's viewed in many ways as, you know, the hot coaching property, going to have the pick of the litter, so to speak. So maybe he gets a Chargers job. Like you said, the Jets job is going to open. I want to just go further on the Lions job. So I don't think, I think Patricia's in trouble. I think it's too early to say whether well, or not he's going to return. Is the Lions job attractive? Because you say, well, Matthew Stafford's got a big arm. That They've got, you know, the Ford filling's been there forever. Or do you go, listen, the Lions have been a mess for a long time. It's not turning around anytime soon. They're married to mediocrity. I don't want that gig.
2: Yeah, I think – this is just me personally. I think the Lions organization is is one of the best organizations in all of football. I mean, I think – the now, this is when William Clay Ford ran the team. They leave you alone. They give you the resources. It's a great, great football state, not just a city, a football state. You know, and I think it's just been – they've always seemed to hire – the wrong people they just never really have gotten it right and they've never understood how to get it right I think that they've been more than patient now I don't know if they're going to continue to be patient you know Jason Lockett reported that they almost fired him last year but there was some you know some conversations about that I think obviously I think Matt's got to prove him because no matter what Matt says to people about what he inherited Jim Caldwell was six and two the final eight games that he took over So, you know, Matt might think he took over a dumpster fire. And in Matt's mind, he may be right as relates to what the Patriots were in terms of their culture and their character. But he didn't take over a dumpster fire in terms of the one loss record based on Caldwell's one of the most successful coaches and had a better record over three years than Matt has. So for the part of me, I think it's a hell of a job. I think you got to convince Stafford. You got to work with him. You got to do it. I just think it's a hell of a job. I don't think it's a division that you go in there and think, oh shit, I can't beat Green Bay. I can't beat Minnesota. It isn't like you're walking in to play Kansas City and you know you gotta face Mahomes twice a year. I think it's a hell of a job. I think it's a tremendous got great history to it, but unfortunately they just have never hired the right people. They wouldn't even know who to hire. I mean, that's the problem with them. They are truly Uncle Junior. They're so far out of the race they actually don't know if they they they, <laughs> they they don't even know they're leading. I mean, that's how bad they are. They're they're not even that arrogant. They're so far out of the race, they don't even know where the race is.
0: <laughs> One of the all-time great lines. One more topic, then we'll get to talking some games. This was a topic you were very passionate about. Javon Wims, Chicago Bears wide receiver, NFL upholding his two-game suspension of him, which they announced on Wednesday. He was suspended Monday. They upheld it on Wednesday. But you had said, for those who missed this episode of the GM Shuffle, you said on, win- on Monday excuse me, that Wims deserved to be cut. Can you believe this? Two games. That's it. And he's still on the team.
2: I don't understand it. Like, I don't understand, like what message are you sending to your team? What message are you sending? Like, are, are you that preoccupied that you drafted this guy in the fifth or sixth round that you want your drafts to look good? This is the other problem you have when you, when you put college guys in charge of the, the run, the department, because they all just, they, they married to their draft picks. Now pace was a pro guy at one time too. So, but like, I don't understand how you shouldn't send a message. You're either coaching it or allowing it to happen. I, I just – to me, it makes no sense at all. Like, this kid did something, and I would be really, really important to get him anger management. However, that being said, it was, to me, what he did deserve to get cut, not fine two games. He deserved to lose all his checks. And if somebody else – here's the thing. Ask yourself this question. Riddle me this, Batman. If if he gets cut, who gives him another job?
0: Yeah, you know you talked to this before one I think you referred to me as a sponsorship program like Dion Lewis of the Patriots like no listen I vouch for that guy he's good you gotta have a guy who knows your work and will vouch for you who's gonna vouch for this guy <laughs> it's terrible
2: yeah exactly you know so it's like sponsorship is the greatest ship to be on I mean scholarship too right that's the greatest ship to be on because like if you got on Al Davis a scholarship you were you were golden for years I mean I don't know where Chad Slaughter lives today is somewhere in Louisiana I'm sure but whatever money he has in the bank it was because of his scholarship from al davis you know played left tackle not a very good player played five or six years in the league made some money i don't begrudge the kid but you know he had sponsorship he got it he it hit, we cut him he probably bounces around maybe one and then he gets cut again you know the last thing you want to do in as an nfl general manager is develop backups Like, that's the last thing you want to do. You want your bottom of your roster to always constantly be having a chance to start. And once you realize a guy's a backup, he either must be really good in the kicking game, which they might tell you Mims is, where he makes a difference, or you got to find a younger player. And even if he was good in the kicking game, I'd get him out of there. Like, I would just tell Tabor, Tabor Cook, we got to find somebody else. I don't give a shit. Like, this sets the program back. Because every time he's going to go out on the field, what's going to happen? They're going to talk about that play.
0: Yeah, it's it's a tough stain to overcome. Apparently for the Bears, like are yeah, whatever, take a couple of games, we'll get you back here November 17th. That's going to be following the Bears game against the Minnesota Vikings. Coming up next, let's talk some games. Biggest games of Week 9, are you kidding?
1: Brady and Breeze could be the final meeting between two future Hall of Famers. Don't go anywhere. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
0: Once again, you can always follow us on Twitter, at NFL. same as his Twitter handle and Instagram. Follow me, Adnan S. Firk. Our show's Instagram page is at the GM Shuffle. Uh, Mike, 13-10-1 against the spread in the season, back over five hundred, and you went 4-2 in Week 7. How's your record after eight weeks of football?
2: So, what did I do last week? I went three and two. So, okay. you do the math because I'm horrible at it. I was three and two last <laughs> week. But again, you know, again, I know people like I'm going to break down the games for you. But the way this COVID thing's going, who's playing, who's not playing, if you know, I, I, I know my man will who hates punting and kicking, my man over there, he can't help himself with the Detroit Lions. So he went and played a bet on the Lions the other day because he just loves it. And then he finds out Stafford has got COVID. Now, he might get lucky and Stafford plays, but you got to be really careful with this shit. You can't be putting your money out there on a game you don't know that there could be the guy might not make it. And, And you're saying, well, I'm not getting the best of the number. Well, then maybe you just need to find another game. Like okay, today. I mean, I we're taping this at we're taping this at 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 four thirty on a Thursday afternoon, and I just saw Field Yates gets the waiver wire every day, and so he's reading the waiver wire and he's reporting that the Chiefs have placed star defensive tackle Chris Jones on reserve COVID less nineteen. Right. So now yeah. you're playing. Carolina's playing them. Right. Let's take that game. You got Mike Davis. You got McCaffrey back. You know, we know when they played the Patriots without Chris Jones, the Patriots ran the football on them. They moved the ball. You know that line right now currently sits at ten and a half, and uh, it it opened at eleven and a half, so it's been moving towards the Panthers. But you know, without Chris Jones now that he's on COVID, you know, it, it, again, and we're in cold weather now. I know it's seventy degrees in Jersey today because Jersey's the greatest state of all, and we have great weather all the time, even though we don't know it. You know, it it, it it's amazing how much COVID is affecting the NFL now more than ever, right?
0: No, you're right. And that's why we're just going to discuss these games. You'll give your actual betting picks M Lombardi NFL. You'll tweet it out Sunday morning. But at least you can tell us where you're leaning at least. But like you said, it's it comes with a caveat. And by the way, check the most up-to-date betting lines by using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Seahawks are 6-1. The Bills are 6-2. Now, I think Josh Allen's come back down to earth a little bit but their defense has stepped up for Seattle. Listen, Russell Wilson, they had that one blemish against Arizona. Otherwise, he's the MVP, and they might be the best team in the NFC. How do you break down Seattle at Buffalo?
2: Well, look, I think Seattle's offense has been dynamic. I mean, they've transformed this offense. It's no more let Russell play, Russell's playing. And, and Buffalo can't play the run. I mean, this could be a game where I think we'll see Seattle, if they're smart, they control the clock. They really can run it. I mean, New England ran the ball on Buffalo really well last week. Buffalo struggles to play the run. They're just not very good at it. And they also, they're gonna struggle in the back end. Russell will make some plays. The challenge is going to be where Seattle ends up on defense. They get Jamal Adams back, they'll have Dunlap. They played their best game last week of the year against San Francisco, even even before Garoppolo got hurt. But they always play San Francisco really well. But Josh Allen, you know, Josh Allen is so inconsistent in terms of being accurate with the football. I'm leaning, really AD, I'm leaning towards Seattle here. It's a three-point game. It's got you know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of action on 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 Buffalo because Buffalo looks like the popular pick here. But I just think at the end of the day, I have a hard time. I have a hard time going against Russell. I have a hard time going against him. And here's the other beautiful thing about this: 64 degrees in Buffalo Sunday at one o'clock. Five-mile-an-hour win. It's going to be a September game. This will be, I think this will be a high-scoring game. I would play the over here. It's 53. It was at 53. It shot up to 55. I would think about the over there.
0: I was about to say, if the weather was truly November weather, as you might expect in Buffalo, that might be a different story. But it's, it's pretty balmy right now. So you're right, that does impact things. Next game, Dolphins at 4-3, and three, Cardinals at 5-2. and two. Cardinals, electrifying offense led by... Tyler Murray and the Dolphins. This is an interesting one, Mike, because Tua debuts and wins, but was unimpressive when you look at his numbers. It was the defense. It was great. Like Brian Flores' defense, they cost four turnovers. And if you go by numbers, they're actually 20th, 21st when it comes to like run defense and pass defense. They're in the bottom third in the league, but opportunistic, which was big. Now they go at Arizona. How do you break down the Dolphins and the Cards?
2: You know, I think if Fitzy was playing this game, I, I wonder what this line would be. You know, that four-point to Arizona, would it be that? Because, really, I, I don't know how to handicap this game without Fitzy, with if, if with Tua in it. Because when you break it down, you know, Tua's going to have to play really good this weekend for them to win. He's going to have to play really good. They're the number one team in, in allowing opponents to score. They're 12th in the National Football League in sacks per pass play. So they get after the quarterback really well. They do a really good job. You know, they're seventh in the league in turnovers. They really have improved what they've done defensively. You know, they're sixth in point differential. Now they're 29th in yard offense to defense yard differential. So there is a, there is a huge difference there. And Murray, we know, Murray has a hard time if you don't control him in the pocket. If he can get out there and run and they can run the football – I'm leaning towards Miami. The problem is why I think this is a hard game to play. You're counting on Tua to be really good. You're counting on Miami's offense to be really good. Their 12th, their offensive line is 12th in sacks per play. You know, their, their yards per uh, pass play. I have them ranked as the 18th best offense in football. And I just think it's going to be a challenging game for Miami. I lean towards them right now, but I'm really worried about Tua.
0: All right, so not totally confident on that one. All right, next up, let's talk about the Saints and the Buccaneers. Sunday night football, Brady versus Brady for quite possibly the final time. They've been going back and forth, the all-time touchdown lead. You know, one's got 560. Okay, now i got 561. Bottom line is this. As you've discussed many a time here on the podcast, Mike Breeze cannot throw the ball down the field. The Buccaneers' defense has been improved. Brady is still showing lots of skill in terms of spreading the ball all the way around. Completion percentage is right about 64%, which has been his average in his career. Obviously, Mike Evans has been great. I believe Godwin could be out, but Antonio Brown is making his debut. I like the Bucs here at home against the Saints. How are you looking at this one?
2: I like the Bucks too, AD. I mean, I lean here. I mean, the Bucks are my t- number one team in the power rankings. I mean, they do everything really well. Their, their quarterback is playing well. They don't turn the ball over. They're fourth. They've really cut down on that. Brady has changed this Bruce Arians offense into his favor. You know, their defense is fourth in the National Football League in sacks per place. They're going to rush the passer. I think they'll do a good job of putting pressure inside on Drew Brees, which I think you have to do. And you got to tackle the talent. You got to tackle the talent. Tampa Bay's offensive line is the best offensive line in terms of keeping their quarterback clear. If they do that, you can attack this Saints secondary. I think that Brady's played Dennis Allen once. I think he has a handle on it. I think he'll do a good job. I like I like the Bucks here. Again, I'll tell you. I'll put a post it on Twitter and and Instagram on Sunday. But that's where I'm leaning.
0: Yeah, and Buck's run defense has been really good. Kamara we both love, but Buck's run defense, if they can keep Kamara in check, dare Brady to beat them down the field, that's why I'm leaning Buccaneers as well. And the last game you want to touch on is the Raiders and the Chargers. So you've talked about Herbert, how impressed you've been with him. The Raiders have been Jekyll and Hyde. What do you think here, Las Vegas versus L.A., Raiders and Chargers?
2: It's a pick'em game. It, it, the line opened at the Chargers. A lot of a lot of movement towards Las Vegas for good reason. I think Las Vegas is one of those teams against the Chargers. They'll control the ball. They're two and two. They swept them last year. Both games were close. There were three and a seven-point game the 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 Raiders won both of those games. I think the Raiders, if their offensive line is back, I think Colton Miller's played really well at left tackle, which helps against the Bosa's. If they can get big Trent Brown and he's back from the, the what happened to him in Cleveland, I think they'll run the football and they'll wear him down. I mean what what Denver did against the Chargers in the fourth quarter was really somewhat amazing. I mean and I know the Raiders are not great on defense, but I just think they're going in this game. They're going to play 34, 35 minutes of offense. I think they're the better team. How do you bet the Chargers in close games? Seriously, how do you do that? How do you do that after I just read that stat to you?
0: You you don't is the answer. So go with the Raiders if it's a pick'em game, right?
2: Yep, no doubt. So I'm going to go Raiders on a pick them. I'll let everybody know on Sunday. But to me, that seems like the one. The way I play the game, the way I play that in my head, I think it'll be one of those where they can make a lot of plays on the Chargers as the game as the game goes. They're going to win that third-down battle.
0: All right, so tentative picks once again to recap. Seattle right now, leaning Miami as well, Tampa Bay and Las Vegas. Official picks Sunday morning at M. Lombardi on Twitter and Instagram when we come back we're going to open up the GM Shuffle mailbag got questions with the Seahawks offense and the beloved Sixers making a move in the front office next Okay, time to open up the GM Shuffle mailbag. As always, you can get in touch with us, Shuffle at gmail.com. Hey, fellas, Mike was very critical about DK Metcalf coming out, and with good reason. Can Mike break down what's changed in his game to be successful, or is his game the same and it's hustle and bustle, making him look like a star? Love the pod, fellas. Hope you can touch on this the next time. Thanks, Robbie. What do you got, Mike?
2: Well, Robbie, I think one of the things you got to do in in, in any business you're in, but particularly in scouting, when you ask a scout what his uh, best picks are, and he only tells you is the ones he hit on, he's a bad scout. The ones you learn from are the ones you make mistakes on. And I think with DK Metcalf, the mistake that I know I made personally on him was I thought his route tree was going to be really limited. Right. i thought his route tree was going to be really limited in terms of just a vertical game and he wasn't going to be able to run the comebacks run the stuff and i think the kid's done a great job of transposing his skill set from the workout onto the field how many times have we heard how great a guy was in a workout but that he didn't produce and the hardest position to evaluate besides quarterback in the college in the college is the is the wide receivers because they don't see press The the matchups are usually favorable. They run simple routes. They catch the ball. They run. I think this kid's determination, his work habits, and his his desire to be great has offset any of those physical liabilities in terms of his lack of of initial change of direction. He's played a powerful game. He's truly an NBA player out there playing. He may be straight line with speed but yet he's been able to compensate himself with the lateral quickness and the lateral movement, and his hands have been sensational. It's the same thing with A.J. Brown. I mean, both those receivers at Mississippi are playing way better in pro football than they did in Mississippi, and it's a tribute to the coaching staff at Seattle. It's a tribute to the coaching staff at Tennessee. But I think ultimately we make mistakes, me particularly, on guys when you evaluate them on their route tree. You know, and look – it's just something that happens. And so many of these straight line speed guys, the John Rosses, for example, that never come in. But this kid's so big, so physical, that I think that that I probably should have given that more consideration in terms of his innate size, just his huge size, which has allowed him to dominate. So I think it's a great question. I think it's a fair question. I think we all learn from it.
0: Yeah, and listen, he's had a fantastic season. There's no question about it. Like you said, it takes more than one to tango. You've obviously got Russell Wilson that's a big part of it, and it was just the six four two twenty nine was the eye-opening number, right? 22-year-old out of Ole Miss, big arms, big hands, and now obviously he's had a great season. He's been an elite wide receiver so far this season, along with the likes of DeAndre Hopkins and others. One more thought, non-football related, your beloved Sixers. Daryl Morey spends 13 years in Houston. They part ways with the Francis a few weeks ago, five-year deal with Philadelphia, and he's getting more than $10 million per season, according to Mark Stein of the New York Times. I've always liked Morey because he's in some ways like a baseball guy. He loves sabermetrics. He was trying to bring that to basketball. That's why the Rockets fell in love with the three. He's one of those guys that says the mid-range Jays, useless, just either go with the dunks or the threes. But $10 million a year for Daryl Morey. He's never won a ring. Mike, those are some staggering numbers.
2: You know, but I, here's the way I look at that, right? Ten is ten million a year a lot to pay for a chief executive offer in in, in a in a billion dollar company? I don't think so. When you're making ten million a year, you gotta and, and the way this company has made bad decisions, I'm all for it. Like I've said many times, many times, nobody wants to hear this. Like after you watched Goff play last Sunday, wouldn't you rather give Sean McVeigh twenty million than Goff thirty three? I know I would. I'd give golf twenty. I'd give Sean McVay thirty million a year. I'd have no problem with that. Like if I had a great coach, I'd pay him. I'd pay him as much as any quarterback. I'd pay him as much as any quarterback. That there's no denying that. I Bill Belichick. You think he's not worth thirty million a year? Now you can say, well, he doesn't have Brady. Doesn't look as good. Okay, fine. We'll see how this all works out three years from now. But the reality <laughs> of it is, is you know, any great coach is worth their weight in gold. And so I think Maury, he's got a reputation for making great deals. He can get them out of cap jail, which they put themselves in. He's smart. He can make decisions. You're paying the $10 million to make decisions. Like, right. would you rather pay $4 million for a guy to make shitty decisions or would you rather pay $10 million for a guy who can make good decisions? I mean, it really is. Like, we get so fixated on it. Like, we think that, you know, like – like, you get paid to make decisions. That's what drives me crazy about Matt Nagy. You're making 6000000 million. You're making a bunch of bad decisions, Matt. Ryan Pace, you're getting paid all that money. You're making a bunch of bad decisions. You can't make that. You can't do that. I'm not attacking the people. I'm attacking the decision-making. So I think that's really ultimately. And so I'm happy with Maury. And here's why I'm really happy with Maury and Doc Rivers. Because those two guys are bigger than Embiid. Like Embiid's not going to be able to 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 do his usual shtick around those two because if Doc starts ripping Embiid and Maury starts ripping Embiid, then everybody's going to, then, then everybody's going to know Embiid's no good that he's lazy, right? Like he could con he could con his way around everybody else. He can't con his way now. The con's over. They just paid the guy ten million. And here's the other thing you got to understand about paying a guy: you want to pay a guy a lot of money to run your organization when when some of your best players are making what they're paying. Because the player walks in and says, look, I don't like that guy. I want him out. It'll cost you $50 million to get him out. You know, just like I can't walk in there and say, I want to trade Tobias Harris. It's going to cost me a ton of money to trade him. Money brings stability.
0: Right. And I guess you're betting on Daryl Morey being that guy. Although Elton Brand's still in the mix. But I think you're right. They just said, listen, you know what? Morey and Doc are really going to be the face of the franchise. Obviously, Brand is still in the mix there. But uh, listen, you figure out Embiid. That's the biggest headache of all. Everyone knows that. You can figure him out. You're going to feel a lot better. Packers and 49ers tonight. Quick thought. Who wins tonight?
2: I mean, I think the Packers are going to win. I think it'll be closer. I mean, I think this is a perfect chance. Take your DraftKings bet app on your phone. Use it. Bet in game. Watch the first quarter. See what's going on. See if the, the 49ers have any juice, if they have anybody out there. You know, make sure you learn the names of, of, of Richie James and Trent Taylor and, you know, even Kevin White's going to play. You know, Jordan Reed's back tonight. Learn those names. See what you think. And then if, if they're running the ball like they have in the past, go for it.
0: I love it. Enjoy the games tonight. Uh, we might find out who the president is by the time we do the next GM Shuffle, which will be on Monday. I don't know, six days. Let's see if Nevada can start counting. For Michael Lombardi, I'm Adam We'll see you next time.